E-commerce expansion myths blasted. Successful cross-border expansion help. Listen to the show to hear how one UK company is helping e-commerce sellers successfully expand into Europe and double their profits. Hosted by Andy Hooper of Global E-commerce Experts. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for joining us. This is the e-commerce expander secrets, and we're I'm very excited to have a partner, associate, part of the alliance with us today in Yana. So Yana, welcome. Hi, Andy. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. No problem at all. So Yana, before we get into the thick of things, why don't you give a little introduction about who you are uh, and what you do? Don't get into too much detail about what you do, because we're going to dig that out over the next hour or so, or 40 minutes, whatever. Um, And we'll go from there. Is that all right? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my name is Jana, and I'm the owner of Wildly Translations. Uh, Shortly said, we help sellers expand to um, international marketplaces. Uh, We cover basically everything on the global marketplaces out there. And uh, me and my team are very passionate about e-commerce in general. Fantastic. Uh, So one question I've always wanted to ask is YLT. Where does YLT come from? That's a good question. So um, first of all, it was actually short for something else. It was short for Yana Linguist Team because I first started this agency as like a e-commerce thing, like that we can like handle all e-commerce, um, you know, translations. And then we decided to niche down, and now it stands for Your Listing Translation. Nice, nice. Because I love the logo. It's just simple, easy, and bright and fun, isn't it? Love yeah, it. absolutely. I love the colors, and actually, every color has a certain meaning. And I, uh, and I just really, I just really like it. It's very simple. Uh, you know, it's not too much like you know flashing or like too many letters. So yeah, we're definitely keeping the logo. We are rebranding our website so it's more clear that it says your listing translations, what it means. But we're definitely keeping the logo. Yeah, nice. Okay, all right. Let's um, let let's start off. So. Just give us a little bit about where you're actually based, Yana, because I'm not sure we've picked that piece up yet. Yeah, so I'm based in um, Belgrade in Serbia. Um, Wildy is a US-based company, but I happen to be born and raised in Serbia, so this is where my base is, but I spent a lot of time in the States. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, all right, so so let's start Let's start a bit of background, if that's all right. So yeah, met sure. Yana. Let, let's, let's go back five years when you left left school college or university did you did you do university or college or what did that look like for you yes this was not five years ago it was like 15 years ago you're fresh and young (laughs) thank you i appreciate (laughs) that that's extra points for you there (laughs) so um yeah so it was a long time ago i went to university i actually study languages i speak five languages and uh, I really was into, you know, like music. I also went to a uh, music conservatory. I played the piano for 15 years. I was a professional pianist performer. I, you know, I played like competitions. I had like concerts, uh, but languages has always been my passion. And so I decided to drop music and like pursue my, you know, language passion. And that's why I, I enrolled in the university, studied um, uh, literature and languages, got my uh, bachelor's and master's. And uh, by studying actually Scandinavian languages, so I, I speak Norwegian and Danish, uh, for, among other languages I speak, uh, they got they, they got me uh, into my first uh, uh, official job after university in this Danish startup. 
And then at that point, there was like four of us and uh, I was actually working as a call center representative. Um, it was a low entry job, but it was an amazing salary because we would sit in Belgrade and we would pretend as we were like sitting in Copenhagen and that e-commerce, uh, like that, you know, small startup, they had like a website and they were selling cell phone equipment. So my fake name was Heidi Larson and I would pretend to be like, you know, hello, I'm Danish. And I, how can I help you with your order? You know, that was like my, basically my first job ever. And uh, I kind of oh, liked it because Heidi I, as well now. I'm sorry. We get to call you Heidi as well now. Heidi, yes, yes. I, I picked, I, I handpicked that name myself. I don't know why, but I, I was like, Heidi, that's going to be me. I'm like, Larson, I don't know. I just kind of really liked it. And then uh, I actually stayed at the company as it grew bigger and bigger and bigger. And so I kind of, I, I went up the ladder and I kind of got to keep my name after I become like a project manager or something. I was back to being <laughs> Yana again, not to being... Heidi as like a reward, you know, uh, and uh, actually that company grew to be one of the biggest e-commerces at that time. Uh, this is like 12 years ago we're talking about. Uh, they had like over 100,000 products. Uh, they were opening physical stores. And wow. at the end, they had like they employed more than 400 employees in five different countries. Uh, wow. So it was amazing. I learned so many things uh, in that company. Um, I grew to be their COO at one point. And then later I trained that to be uh, on the business development side because I was really getting into that. Um, they would fly me around Europe to open the, the branches, the company branches. Uh, this is also when I first got into Amazon. I got really interested in that. It was like a, just a side project at that point. And they were yeah. just like, here's like play, play around with the account, see what you can do. We want to do like expansion and stuff. And uh, this is when I first saw the potential of like not having like Google Translate, you know, translations. I started hiring regular people to do that. At that point, there were like no specific tools for Amazon. We just used kind of keyword planner for Google AdWords and that was it. But that started kind of showing some results and it was kind of really interesting to see how it goes. Uh, especially, you know, that was like the first time when I heard like buy box, like, you know, like 11 years ago. Um, yeah. And it was really, really interesting. And the company was very uh, innovative and on a lot of uh, areas. And uh, it was really amazing. And like, I can build your, I can build your business from scratch. Like if you want to, you know, like uh, any sorts of platforms, I've, I've learned so much and it was such an amazing ride. And that's how e-commerce grew to be my second passion, apart from languages. And yeah. then um, uh, eight on years. That, Yana, uh, on that, sorry. So what yeah. five languages do you speak? I've got Danish and Norwegian, I think. Yeah, Danish, Norwegian. Uh, yeah. I got German, uh, French, yeah. English, and Serbian is my native. Wow. Yeah. Hats off to you. That's epic. Congrats to you. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> five or six languages. Six languages there. You, 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 you miscounted, I reckon. Yeah, um, but I mean, I, I don't count Serbian. I'm like speaking like five foreign languages. That's what yes, I meant. I, I, just, uh, I wasn't that specific. Yeah. I think you was underselling yourself there. It's definitely six languages in my book, whatever way you look. <laughs> um, okay, so that was great. So on that, yeah, we, we've all, yeah, we all start businesses and we all have this vision that we want to scale and grow our business and everything else. Before we move on from, from that company, what do you think the secret was to that company's scale and growth and pace of growth? to get to, to you know, that yeah. number? So um, this company was a privately held uh, company and our boss had, um, 
he was somehow like one step ahead of uh, his competitors. He would always try out new things. He was always the first one to implement some method he read about or um, he saw or like he attended a, a mastermind or something on, on that matter. So he was always like out and about, like looking for new strategies and new ideas and like implementing new things. So I think this is like one of the first things that kind of get him like the slight edge uh, when it compared to his, um, you know, other competitors, that one for sure. And the second one is that because he was outsourcing a lot of his team. So he was spending, uh, saving a lot of money by hiring people in Serbia and Poland. Uh, he also had his stock relocated from Denmark to Poland. And it was uh, in a quite good location. It was in the city called Szczecin, uh, which is really close to the German border. Like that, that, that stock is like just an hour away from Berlin. So it's like yeah. this perfect like location to ship like things everywhere. And uh, the, you know, the, the workforce was really cheap. So he was saving a lot of money on that. And he was actually one of the first people, as I said, like he implemented a lot of new things that he got an idea to outsource first the call center and then um, complete sea level management was outsourced from Denmark. Um, and then of course we went to Denmark to work and I also like lived and worked in Denmark. But like the first stages of the company were like that everything was kind of outsourced. And this is what like the you know half of the world is like doing right now. But he was doing that like 15 years ago, but not many people were, were doing that. So that's like one of the uh, advantages that he had, which really, you know, proved to be very, very valuable at that time. Yeah, I think that's, there's some great things in there, isn't there? Because I think that yeah, absolutely. You know, we all want to scale and grow our businesses and we're all we're all fighting all these different yeah. things the whole way through, aren't we? You know, well, if I do this, what does that happen? If I do this, well, how does that happen? What happens if? Yeah. What happens if? Uh, and I think some of those things you've just mentioned there are absolutely critical. You know, I, I love also what so also what I what I also see um, a lot lot is that you know sellers and service providers they can they can grow their teams till like I don't know let's say twenty members or like fifteen members and that's where they stop they cannot scale above this level and I see that like the whole time. And the thing is, like, you have to go through that barrier because they're afraid of letting too many people in their team. And yeah. this is where a lot of people just kind of stop. They don't grow and they don't reach their full potential. So I see that the whole time. And the whole, uh, you know, the main deal for you is to just kind of go through that barrier and hire more and more people and not like to build uh, 10 different businesses with like up to 20 people. You know, that doesn't get you anywhere. What gets you somewhere is like one business huge like you scale your team and this is where you like go into the winning strategy honestly this is also what i did for my company like now we have 80 people and i see a lot of people who are so afraid to scale you know and um i see that all the time and i'll be talking about that in this conference in san diego like how how people can manage to scale their teams beyond their beliefs honestly just by implementing some of like really cool strategies that i've learned uh, working in this company and after that, like working with my own company, I think that's, uh, like a bottleneck for a lot of people and preventing them to earn big money, um, from yeah. their business. I totally agree. I, yeah, you're right. You see that in e-commerce quite a lot. Um, I mean, outsourcing yes. is quite popular in, you know, certainly for e-commerce sellers, you know, outsourcing things to places like the Philippines is quite common. You hear people yeah. speak to my VA in, you know, in, in the Philippines or wherever it might be is, is relatively common to a degree now but i guess you know as you say five or ten years ago that definitely was so a bit of a trailblazer there i also love the idea where you said there about you seeking the strategy going out to events masterminds speaking to people finding out yes. what 
what's happening actually that's a really key piece isn't it how you keep up to date especially with e-commerce where it's moving so fast but actually yeah. the other opportunities that sit on the fringes of that because that's actually where it's not it's not the meat in the middle that makes a difference is it it's the meat on the no. fringes where exactly i implementing yeah. it yet uh, people which, are living which, a lot of money on the table literally like so much money left on the table and just have to comment on the philippines um uh, like the filipino vas and stuff like that i really think that this is i mean i understand it's like uh it's cost effective it doesn't uh you know cost you a lot but a lot of jobs you cannot like outsource them to the filipinos because it's a different culture it's a different mindset and there are not just many jobs that that the, the philippines can do they that uh, that you will be happy with mm. um i mean i don't want to sound like you know patronize or something but there are some certain like level jobs that are not a good fit for the philippines or for any other country that comes from a completely different culture that you can outsource to but nowadays there are some countries where you can outsource even c-level managements too and i've seen some like of the big american companies outsourcing their c-level management to let's say serbia or like to the region of like balkans because people really you know get it and it's like similar culture like people are really good in english and so there's like much more than the Philippines. Like, why do you have to do uh, everything that your competitors are doing? Like, why don't you find something similar to that, but maybe better? You know, this is like the edge I'm talking about. Yes, totally agree. Okay, wonderful. So I think that was great. So that got you into your e-commerce journey then, didn't it? That, that yeah, whole absolutely. business got you into your e-commerce. So, so where did YLT come from? Where was the sort of, what was the light bulb moment of, hey, I want to do something for myself and this is it or did that come over a period of time what did that look like uh not exactly so that was kind of like that idea was kind of boiling like for a long time um actually i wanted to quit my job like a couple of years before i actually you know handed over my resignation but i just didn't yeah. have the guts to do it yeah. honestly so if someone tells you that like being an entrepreneur means you're like a go-getter and you want to change your life overnight well i'm not that you know i'm not, definitely not that type of person uh, I'm just like a regular girl, like I'm not even from the States. I mean, not even from like the Western countries, like in Europe. So we are like, I'm, I'm from Serbia. I'm like outside of the European Union. I need like visas to travel everywhere. It's like, it's really hard. It's really difficult. And like 80% um, of the world out there don't even know like what kind of struggles you have when you're not from uh, Western, like, you know, Europe country. Um, yeah. So basically I was just, wanting to like get better recognition for my work because I was feeling very underappreciated at my at my job. And so like the, the the you know the tip of the iceberg was like when I was sent to Russia to open this company branch and I did not get any sorts of like bonuses or anything. I spent almost two years there. I built everything from scratch. I just gotta thank you. And when I asked for a bonus, my boss gave me 50 euros, which is like 30 pounds. <laughs> and I was like, this is just ridiculous. And this is like the last, the, the, the last, very last thing from like tons of other things that I was really completely unhappy with that kind of pushed me over the edge. And I was like, you know what, this is it. I'm just going to, you know, quit my job now. And I've been like, you know, thinking about it for the previous three years. And I really wanted to start something on my own because I'm like, why should I work for anyone? And then like, I am not, not knowing if I'm going to get like properly like rewarded for my effort, for my ideas. And I was just really feeling, you know, like overwhelmed with everything. 
And I was like, you know what? This is just like, uh, you know, I think that would, I would not, I would not have, I would have like zero respect for myself if I stay like in this company. So I decided to quit my job. And I was like, at that point, I was also like teaching Norwegian on the side to corporate clients, like to uh, start oil, look oil, like all these like big uh, oil uh, magnets in Norway uh, to all their like C-level management and their CEOs. Um, and uh, I was having like good money out of it. And I'm like, okay, so between like when I quit my job, you know, until I figure out how I'm going to start something on my own, I'm going to like teach like Norwegian to corporate clients and then we'll take it from there. Um, so that lasted for a couple of months. And then I bought the domain name Wildy Translations. And I was like, let's just do what I do. Like, you know, I know e-commerce a lot and I know about like, you know, translations and stuff and the, the, the keyword research and like SAMrush and, and all these other tools. And let's start something like that. So I asked a couple of people that worked for me in my previous company that I know that were not happy if they would like to come and like work on like when I have like some projects. So I got like, three, four people on board. I don't think they really kind of believed in my idea as, I mean, nobody from my surroundings believed in my idea because as I said, like when you come from Serbia, it's a country where basically uh, where you want to like, where, where you get hired in the first place, this is where you, you end like your, like you work there till you go to retirement. This is the mindset of people. And then my parents were very upset when I quit my job because it was a very highly paid job. And they just didn't understand why I did not want to work there, even though I was very miserable. So they were like, but you have a highly paid job. What else do you want in this life? You know? And I was like, I want something else. And, and they were really upset. I know my mom cried. She was very disappointed with me. Uh, all my friends were like, well, maybe this is just a phase. She'll get back to nine to five office job and stuff like that. Yeah. But I really didn't want uh, to do that. Like, and during those couple of months that were very, you know, uh, I was really like desperate because I was sitting at home in my pajamas and I'm like, we used to like wearing like a power suit, like, and like high heels and makeup and like meetings all day. And then fast forward to like that point, I was like sitting at home in my pajamas and like working from home was not a popular term at that point. And I was pretty depressed. And I was, I mean, I know that like a couple of days would pass and I was still sitting in my pajamas and I didn't know what else to do. I thought I was like going to go crazy because I was living by myself. Um, you know, it was just a really tough uh, time for me. And, uh, but then like a couple of months later, I think I quit my job in September so somewhere like around February, I, I came around and I was like, look, like whatever you're doing, just gonna stop and like pull your stuff together and just yeah. gonna, you know, like, and then I was like, okay, let's go back to this domain. Then I called some friends, you know, like when you start your business, I don't like working with friends now, but when you start your business, you gotta call your friends. I mean, who's gonna help you out? You don't have any money to pay anybody else. So I kind of, you know, um, hired a friend, an acquaintance that, you know, told me like, I can take care of your website. I told him I'm gonna pay him a little bit now, a little bit later, you know, like we'll just, you know, kind of manage the payments like on a friendly basis, whatever. And um, and a lot of, uh, you know, people came out and helped me. And I was like, okay, this is gonna be great. This is gonna be awesome. And then, uh, and then I was like, okay, so now what, you know? And then like, I know the strategies like for marketing and everything. I didn't have a lot of money to invest, but I started like doing Google ads. Uh, it didn't work. Um, I just started like checking what else I could do. Um, it was like really, you know, it's horrible when you're like starting something, you don't know what you're doing. 
because uh, no matter how long I worked in this corporate company and I was boss to a lot of people, different departments, it's completely different when you work for yourself. It's like none of those matter. Like I know everything in theory, but like how do you get actually started? How do so I? Yes, so such a big difference. How do you hire people? I'm like, how can I tell them like this is the rate for this project? And I'm like, thank you so much for. I cannot be like that, you know. And I was, I had a big authority back in my corporate job, but I had like zero authority for myself and for my business. So that was very devastating for me, honestly. It took me a while to kind of understand that I have to change who I am and just start like taking initiative and like the authority and you know just. You know, because that—that's just how things should work. It takes and, a bit um, of time to understand that in yourself, and to, you're piecing lots of different things together at this time, aren't you? You know, you're piecing together, yes, setting up a business. Where do I find the business? I've left the job. My mom's not happy, disappointed. I've got this, this. All of these things are sort of compounding on you, and then you start thinking, well, may, maybe I have made a mistake. But no, I believe in what I'm yeah. going to do, and off I go. Yeah. That, that's definitely one of the things that I thought that, um, you know, after some times, because we were not getting any clients, we would get some like random requests about like some, some like minor texts and stuff like that. And I was like, well, at this point, I'm making like 50 bucks like a month from this business. And I'm pretty sure I could do much more, but I don't know how to do it. And then, um, and then, you know, little by little, um, I start going into the, like these Facebook groups with like, uh, you know, translators and stuff. And, um, and I was like, well, why don't I like focus uh, a little bit more like on Amazon? Cause it doesn't seem to have that many, I, I don't seem to have that many competitors in that area. And I no. really know Amazon. I know how it, this works, uh, when it compared to just you know, like regular translation agencies, all of which who've been there for like 30 years, they have like ISO 9001 standards. There was like a lot to be done and I could never be competitive with like this like ginormous like agency that have been there for like 30 plus years. You know, that that's like something that, that hasn't been, uh, you know, easy for me. And I'm like, maybe I should kind of niche down and find something, you know, better like in this domain, but kind of niche down. And so I added like Amazon translations on the website as well. So at that point we had like tons of like different translations, all e-commerce related. So we're not doing like legal and medical translations, but basically everything you need for your website and all of the other things that you need, uh, contracts and so on. And I added Amazon translations and, and, that, and, and then people started contacting us, you know, being like, well, we would like to do some Amazon translations, like, but are you like, you know, Amazon experts or like what? And at that point I realized that on our website, we have like so many other things that of course people are not sure what's our strongest point. Um, and at that point I decided that I'm going to change the website. I'm going to migrate everything there was on the website to wildtytranslations.net. And I made wildtytranslations.com only Amazon translations only like a dedicated website since Perfect. the com web uh, the com website was already like being indexed and i'm like i'm not gonna you know like blow this away and just gonna buy a new domain i'm gonna just gonna use this and just gonna you know just do make it like an amazon website completely like a you know dominating website and that yeah. that's when things started changing a little bit and people like would reach out and be like oh so you are specialized in amazon 
this really interesting, blah, blah. And we would get like, I think uh, December 2018th, I remember we got like the first like official, I call it like official request because, because it was like two products for four different marketplaces. Back then it was like four only. And I was like, uh, her name was Katie. And I remember I was like, this is it. We're making millions. You know, I'm like, yeah. this is working. So th that was my first ever request. And I was like, literally like over the moon. Yeah. And at that point I started joining like different Facebook groups like that had like Amazon word Amazon in it. And I started promoting our business. I started like replying questions people had about international expansion. And this is how we actually got our first clients like through Facebook groups. And then yeah. after that, um, I was just like reading about, you know, like the, the conferences, blogs, you know, getting featured on this on that podcast. And I was just wondering yeah. like, how the hell do people land here? Like, cause I remember sending like tons of emails and I would not get a reply or there'd be like, who are you? You know, what do you do? And you know, it was yeah. like really like a big hit uh, on my ego uh, because also like, unfortunately coming from Serbia, like people like here, they kind of teach you that if somebody says no to you, you just gonna you, like, feel very embarrassed for yourself okay. and you go away, yeah. you know, and you never come back. But uh, luckily like I, what I, um, learned uh while i was being in the states is that like when you knock on one door they close it you come and knock again and you knock until they open it and they tell you okay like you're very persistent let's see what you got and this was my um i just decided i'm gonna forget about the whole like ego problem and i'm just going to be like uh um just you try to do whatever i can and uh just and I, like it was kind of easier for me because it was in written form. So it's not like a verbal confrontation, you know? Yeah. So this was like in written form so I could pretend that this was not even me. It was like sending the email. Um, and then I remember I reached out, the first person I reached out to to try to get like a video or like a feature or something was Augustus from Orange Click. Yeah. Uh, and uh, now a very good friend of mine. And uh, he said no to me four times. He was like, he would like he would have a meeting with me, but he would be like, YTL, what it's, is this? You know? Yeah, yeah, no, that, that piece is interesting. What we found, I don't know whether you found this when we first started, we were doing the same. We'd be knocking on everyone's door and everyone was a bit like, Oh, I'm not sure these new kids on the block type thing. Yes. And then what's happened now is yeah, we're still looking for partnerships and talking to people, but actually people approach us now rather than us having yes. to do a lot of the work. Um, yes, uh, absolutely. They sort of, you know, they, they see what you're doing. They're like, ah, okay. And they, you know, have you found that as well? Yes, absolutely. So you know, like after like knocking on Augusta's door for four times uh, and getting no, 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 no. At the end, he was like, okay, let's do a video. Let's do like a five minutes video and like whatever. And so I was like, yes, like this is my big break. So we did like a five minutes video and we got like tons of clients only from that video, this little short video, because um, nobody actually kind of approached translations and was not uh, presenting them in a way that I had in that yeah. video because I was like, this is my only shot. I better do my very best because uh, yeah. I really was so passionate about it and i was like really determined that this is going to work and uh, it worked we got like first clients from there and then after that um this has invited me to my ever first ever conference in prague that was my ever first like live conference i was just, like 
um, super scared and you know like uh, I, I, I said like I, I used to play the piano and I'm a performer on stage I didn't have much of a stage fright but this was something new this was like my new business who maybe yeah. I did not even believe in enough and I'm supposed to present this to people and yes. expect them to believe in me you know and that was really really challenging for me but luckily this ended up like really nicely and after that I, I, I think like 2019 I did like 13 conferences worldwide um at yeah. first i would reach out to people and then like now like this year like i, I i'm i'm paid to talk like i'm speaking at prosper i'm speaking at like all of these like great like san diego geek out event like i speak like literally i, I would like if you know pandemic was not on i i think like last year 2020 um uh, no 2019 and 2020 like i was booked like literally like every month i would fly to a different country or like to a to a different yeah. conference and it's just unbelievable how many opportunities you can have and how many doors you can open and mm -hmm. the biggest deal for me was after this Prague conference in 2019 there were some partners on my ex-boss i mean me and my ex-boss we did not end our things on good terms that's all i'm gonna say he was very upset about me leaving he like really it was an you know it was not nice but then, uh, and I was also like feeling very, you know, bitter about the whole thing. But what yeah. happened, like after my Prague conference and my talk, uh, some of the partners that work with my ex-boss, they invited me to the one of the biggest uh, Danish e-commerce events in Copenhagen. And I went there, it's like in front of the Danish Chamber of E-commerce, and I gave presentation in Danish and my boss was not there but I'm pretty sure like all of his partners were there. So, you know, I kind of made sure that they say hello to him. So that was yeah. kind of my personal victory of like, you know, brilliant. everything I've done so far. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. I love that little story. That's amazing. So what's, you know, with sort of uh, translations, what sort of things of people need to be aware of right now? What are the things that are perhaps changing? What are the things, how's the landscape moving so that people need to make sure they're, you fully either you know, I'm compliant from you know, in back of my head, but also make maximizing the opportunities for yeah. new sales and things like that. What are the key things? Well, one of the key things is you have to just, you know, um, you know, keep an eye on the new marketplaces. I think Amazon is going to go out pushing them like now more than ever. Uh, yeah. The newest marketplace to roll out is Turkey. Uh, and a lot of people have been really interested for this marketplace. So we'll see how that goes. There's a lot of, definitely a lot of opportunity over there. And what's very interesting for the Turkish marketplace is that people buy more from their tablets and PCs other than from their cell phones, uh, which is kind of interesting because, you know, you always have to pay attention to the cell phone, like a version of the, you know, like how your listing looks like, but like people love like PPC, uh, PC and tablets to buy from there. Um, yeah. And also what I think is really important is that um, there are a lot, of, a lot of restrictions in the U.S. that don't apply in Europe, but Europe has been pretty, you know, restricted when it comes to certain terms, like uh, mm -hmm. some of the words that we've came across that have been like trademarked that not even sellers knew about uh, yeah. are just, you know, uh, crazy. Uh, like there were like um, uh, the, the, like uh, uh, what what was it? Uh, it was the, the 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 scorch or the storch. I don't know. They like a tape. They uh, they use the name for it like in Italian as well, like an English name. That was yeah. marked as a trademark, for instance, or Italian word for mop, uh, mochi. I think uh, was also yeah. trademarked. But the whole category in Amazon is called uh, mochi, like in plural, like mops in plural. 
So who who would have you know known about that? You know, so there are a lot of things that really you see a lot of your competitors are using, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden there are a lot of uh, things that are completely. Uh, completely um, uh, banned, you know, and they're like not allowed for you to use. And of course, especially when it comes to, you know, the, the, the products when mentioning like bacteria and all the other health issues and stuff, like they're all, uh, they're all not allowed to be used as well as in Europe. But what's still allowed in Europe, for instance, are caps lock and bullets. That's really interesting. And also HTML, which is getting canceled in June in the UK, uh, is still going to be available throughout European marketplaces. I haven't had any information that it's going to get canceled in Europe. It probably will, but it's probably going to be like a later date. Um, so, you know, European marketplaces are always good because everything that's going to apply them comes way later than when it's like UK or the US, of course. So that's yeah. uh, that's interesting. Yeah. And what I would also uh, definitely recommend for European marketplaces and brands is that they um, should uh, take should, they should definitely uh, pay attention to TikTok uh, using their international strategies because um, uh, ads are available. Uh, I also had a really, like a really cool presentation about that on AdWorld. Um, they have like tons of like ads like uh, rolling out right now. But what's very, very interesting is that um, the audience is actually uh, uh, your target audience is between like 18 and 35 years old. So it's a common misconception that TikTok is only used for kids, like 12 year olds or 13 year olds, when it's actually used like with much older um, uh, category, uh, category. And also what's very important is that beauty and cosmetics take 65% of the, the products that are being sold on TikTok. So if wow. your target audience is something that's using like beauty and products, and is like anywhere between 18 and 35, you should definitely go for TikTok. And uh, definitely what's interesting is that TikTok audience has money to spend. They have more money than the audience on Facebook and in YouTube. And your whole video takes all of their attention and focus because there are no other distractions. And uh, the study showed that 73% um, of the users watch the whole video. So that's that's very, very important. And um, yeah. It's, all, it's very interesting as well to mention that TikTok audience is pretty unique. So you don't get it on Facebook. These are not people on Facebook. These are not people on YouTube. It's a completely new audience. So you would get like 30% of new people just from like TikTok only. What I would not recommend for TikTok is like international sense is that uh, you don't use like uh, products for older generation or mostly for men because most of TikTok population at least in Europe is are females. I think close to 70% of the audience are females. Okay, well that's really really interesting. Um I didn't realize yeah. it was going up to sort of that age bracket either. I think that's really really useful. So with um e-commerce what sort of trends are you seeing at the moment? What are the sort of key things where you're thinking uh there's a little trend coming here. What do you what do you think might be happening? towards the end of the year leading into Q4? I think that the eco-friendly products are definitely going to be like more and more popular. Like for instance, like wooden toys in Germany, like that, that category is like literally like going through the roof and uh, not like plastic, not anything else. And it's interesting to say that wooden toys are selling better than they are in the States, in Germany, for instance. So if you have like wooden toys, you should definitely, you know, like uh, totally get uh, into that yeah. category, like in, in Germany and uh, before your competitors find out about it. Um, and also like a lot of um, 
um, electronics or like home beauty products and stuff like that are really like uh, still interesting, especially in Europe, because unfortunately Europe is still like uh, closed. Uh, it's pandemic time still. Mm -hmm. So I think that all of the products that have been like popular, like, you know, anything you can like work from like at home as like, uh, you know, like people cannot go to and get their nails done in a, in a, in a beauty salon or the hair done or anything when it comes to like beauty i think that people would still be doing good in those categories until the, the you know the the whole the measurements are um you know lifted and then we're gonna go to like you know uh travel accessories travel equipment outdoor stuff uh you know but for now i still think the categories are gonna be still into the diy garden tools and stuff like that i i, I th this is what has been trending for the last year and a half a lot of people yeah. thought that this is going to change, uh, you know, um, now, but it's still, you know, very, um, very ungrateful to predict what's going to happen because I just read today that the restrictions in 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 uh, in, in U the UK are going to be prolonged after June 21st because of like new cases and and so on, you know. So I think yeah. that as long it's as the pandemic is still. Yes, exactly. So I think that as long as, you know, the pandemic is still with us, it's still going to be the same product, uh, categories that have been popular um, till now. So, uh, you know, what, what do you think, Andy? What's going to happen like with the categories and products? Yeah, I think, I think the shift to online buying has definitely changed. You know, I think that people, let's take garden stuff, exactly as you said, they go in the UK, they go down to their local nursery, garden centre, they buy stuff. And quite a lot of those places are just not very friendly and exciting. So I think that what yeah. people are doing now is they're, they're buying that stuff online and they can buy it on a Thursday because the weather looks nice. And they think, well, it'll be delivered tomorrow morning. So on Saturday morning, I, instead of faffing around going to the garden centre and buying stuff, I can just get straight on with it which people realize they haven't got to go to these places and they realize that the service they get is so much more quick and effective. So here in the UK, we've got a, a, a technology um, like TV place called Curry's PC World. And mm -hmm. you go in there, it's a massive, massive store where you can buy TVs, computers, all that sort of stuff. The reality is every time you go in there, because of the pandemic, they've had, they've got hardly any stock. And you go in, they're like, well, we can order that for you. But because they've got a brick and mortar store, it's 20% more expensive straight away. So you just come out there and buy on Amazon and save yourself any time because it's just more effective. Um, but that's, so I see that more people will buy online. And I think that a lot of the European countries, there's a big increase in lots of the European countries that didn't shop online anywhere near as much. Um, yes, especially especially Spain and Italy, they've actually had yeah. an increase of fifteen percent, uh, and like uh, the biggest one has the Czech Republic has eighteen percent. They did not even use a lot of credit cards. They spent like they still like use a lot of cash to pay for their products, but definitely like the culture has shifted towards the uh, e-commerce and online buying, and I think that's definitely what's going to be here to stay. And people are just going to be like, exactly what you said, like, I think I'm going to get this and I'm going to buy this and purchase it in like three hours. I mean, if you just take, for instance, like an Apple store, like in the States, like if you order items by noon, 
you can get your new computer delivered in two hours the very same day you know that kind of saves your trip going to the store and like waiting in line and talking to you know like uh, matthew the apple expert you know it's very very convenient and i think that people are gonna get sort of like spoiled into all this like convenience and like all the convenience shopping i totally agree i totally i, I think that whole thing is changing the, the methodology the you know, lots of parts of Europe, you weren't even online. They couldn't even access yeah. it in some ways. But all yeah. of a sudden now, because of the pandemic, that rush to get online has become, yeah, so much quicker. Um, we're just try- currently pulling all the stats for what those figures look like across the whole of Europe and where those hot destinations are. Because, you know, I think we'll see those outer lying regions really start to pop up come, you know, come the end of this year. And I think that's really, really powerful for sellers to start boosting their, their listings and stuff now. And that's why translations are so, so key. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think that also Amazon recognized this opportunity. And that's why they're, uh, you're getting emails about like, you know, Mexico FBA and like, you know, do Turkey, do this, do that. You mean, uh, Amazon even reached out to us because they want to make their translations better. I mean, I was like, wow, is this like, you know, you know, what's, what, what's up with this? But they want to offer tr- better translations because um, not just their machine translations, uh, which give us thankfully more, a lot of work because, you know, they do such a shitty job. Uh, but they want to offer, you know, localized translations with keywords that make sense for certain categories. Because like when you sell on Amazon, and I also like, uh, you know, uh, agree with this, you don't need to have. Um, native translations with keywords and stuff like that for some categories. Like if you're selling like a super, super specific product and you have like super short bullets with only like text packs about your product, you don't need a, a native uh, keyword translator to do that for you. You can put that in Google Translate and that's, they will do enough for you if it's like a super, super short listing. And the restrictions for the category are that it's going to be short. So basically for that, you just need to put some keywords in title and you're good to go. But for other uh, categories that like supplements or beauty products or kids' toys, that you have A-plus content, you want to convey the message, and you really want to click with a client from a different uh, country, you really need someone who's going to understand what you are saying and not just like do one-on-one and literal translation. And that's why it's very important. I mean, localization, first of all, is very important. Differences in styles of the marketplaces, you know, like Germans are kind of straightforward. Um, U.S. style is like salesy and fluffy. French people also kind of hate that sales and fluffy style, you know. So there's like a lot of different things that you have to take in consideration when actually, you know, having your listing done on a new marketplace. Uh, and you don't want to blow your honeymoon period. Of course, you can restart your honeymoon period, but what you can restart are the reviews. So if you get like pretty bad reviews at the beginning, they're going to be there to stay no matter how many times you restart your honeymoon period. And good thing is that there was a glitch with global reviews for a couple of weeks. You could only see the glo- the local reviews, but yeah. now global reviews are back. So it's all back to normal because people like start panicking, panic, panicking at one point. Like, is this like a Amazon like experimenting on this? Because, you know, Amazon is like trying out always like new things. But yeah. it happened to be that this was just a glitch. So it's it's good that, you know, they, they kind of took care of that. Nice. Wonderful. Well, Jana, look, we're, we're coming to an end here. Um, if people want to get in contact with you, they want to get some translations done. What's the best way of getting in touch with you and, and uh, making that happen? 
You can definitely visit our website. It's ylt-translations.com. Uh, or you can like our Facebook page. We constantly have like updates like this, like, uh, you know, uh, being posted on our page. You can like us on LinkedIn, or you could definitely shoot me an email if you need any sort of advice, or if you just want to get like a feedback on your listing, which is underperforming, you're maybe wondering what else could be done. You can definitely shoot me an email at uh, Jana, that's J-A-N-A, at YLT dash or hyphen, YLT hyphen translations.com, and I'll be happy to help you out. Wonderful. Well, Jana, it's been amazing having you on. Thank you very much for your hugely valuable time. Um, it's been great speaking. Thank you so much for having me. And hearing so much about it. Backstory as well. I love some of those bits we talked about. <laughs> it. I thought that was great. So thank you very much. Um, thank you very much for everyone for listening. Uh, this was the e-commerce expander sequence. This was global e-commerce experts successfully expanding e-commerce sellers into Europe. And with that in mind, uh, that is today's podcast done. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for tuning in. Yeah.